Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Denny. It's always exciting and energetic to have you up here, especially when we've got AV and visual issues this morning. But thank you for the crew for figuring that out, and hopefully we'll have it all straightened out. If not, maybe this is one of those Sundays where it's really important to have your Bible apps and your Bibles with you today. Well, good morning again. And uh, for me, I'm really grateful that I can be standing here before you. Because whenever I wake up every morning and I realize I am breathing air, I thank God that he allows me to have another day to walk on earth and spend my life with all of you here. Now, just recently, I celebrated a birthday. It's one of those milestone birthdays. And so thank you for everyone who wished me a happy birthday. My usual uh, treat for myself is I went and grilled a juicy steak and had a nice cup of wine. And uh, later in the week, I spent uh, time with my roommates from college, and we went out and had big slabs of prime rib. So I know my cholesterol went up, but that's how I enjoy my birthdays. Now, to be honest, though, at my age, I can feel those aches and pains in my body that I only heard about from the seniors that preceded me. And I have this sober realization that I am one year closer to being with my maker in heaven. Now, the reality is this. From the day we are born, the clock is ticking down to expiration. Our body gets hurt, breaks down, and thank God it can somewhat repair and heal itself. But as time passes, as we grow older, those repair systems diminish And there are some ailments and conditions that we cannot heal on our own because there's just some diseases that are not curable. And certainly, modern medicine and healthcare has made amazing progress and achievements. I mean, just look at what has been accomplished with COVID and vaccinations in the last two years. Getting sick and breaking down is the common fate of all of us. When we or our loved ones become seriously ill, we become anxious and concerned. And that's why it's not a coincidence that most of the prayer requests that we get as a staff are often around or surround the issue of healing, of physical ailments. We are, if we are honest about it, none of us are perfectly healthy in mind, body, or spirit. Matter of fact, we're all broken in some way. And because of our brokenness, God sent his son Jesus to be our doctor to mend us back to wholeness. But how we want to be healed when we want to be healed may not line up with God's plan for our healing, making us often disappointed, angry, and even doubting God. Now, sadly, some of us have seen people we know walk away from the faith when loved ones that they've been praying for weren't cured of their cancer or are angry that their prayers are not answered in a way that they desire. In our current series, Jesus Plus, as preparation for Lent, as we approach Easter, the day we have chosen to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, we are looking at different portraits or pictures of Jesus. Now, how we perceive someone often influences our attitude and behavior towards that person. This is usually based on experiences both positive and negative with that person. 
If Jesus does not heal us in the way we ask for, we can still see, can we still see him as trustworthy and good? And many of us make that mistake of putting Jesus into a little box, limiting in our minds what he can and cannot do, where Jesus is actually more than we could ever imagine, and that he wants the best for us. May not be what we want, but what we need. We began the series looking at Jesus as the good shepherd, then the vine, then as both the son of God and the son of man. And last week, Caitlin talked about Jesus as the high priest. And today, we will look at Jesus as the great physician. Now, seriously, I don't think any of us dispute the idea that God is the healer. I don't believe any of us don't want to believe that. And I am not going to try to convince you that Jesus heals. I'll leave that up to you decide if you can. But I want to be able to, and I can, share a few examples of healing that have happened at our own church. Now, in our congregation, we have seen amazing healings. And some of you know a young man named Matthew, who as a child was discovered to have a brain tumor that many of the doctors felt that he would not survive past the age of six or seven. Now, almost 20 years later, he's a young adult. Many of us, at the time of his diagnosis, prayed for him, interceded for him, and asked for God's mercy and to ask for that tumor to disappear. And that happened. It has gone into remission. And now Matthew will soon start work as a teacher's aide at a local elementary school. So for many of us, Matthew is a walking, living miracle. One of our former pastors, Pastor George Toda, over 10 years ago, had an aggressive blood disease that got him really sick. And he himself thought it was time to meet his his maker. And, And at that time, he is probably in his maybe late 70s, and he was prepared for the worst. But he felt he had already lived a pretty good life. But people, his friends, those in his congregation, prayed for him and did not give up on him. And lo and behold, God literally healed him from his deathbed. And miraculously, he was healed, and he was able to share his testimony of God's faithfulness and healing at CLC's 90th anniversary. And my hope is at our 100th anniversary, all of you can meet him if he attends. And we have seen God's healing, not just locally, but also on some of our mission trips abroad. Many years ago, one of our home groups, one that our admin, Lin, went to many years ago into China. And they were working in the countryside with an orphanage and a local farming community. And one of our members, while working in the potato field, encountered an elderly woman who apparently was blind. And this woman asked our member to pray to our God for healing. And sensing the Holy Spirit nudging her to pray, our member laid hands on this woman and prayed for her healing. And amazingly, to the surprise and awe of everyone there, this blind woman screamed out that she could see again. You can believe it or not. That God can heal is not the issue. 
Matter of fact, most of us wish for that to happen. Instead, our problem is this. It is more this kind of situation. Knowing that God can heal to accept why he chooses not to, at least in the way we expected or even asked for. And that's the challenge for us. Can we be okay when God does not heal? What do we do if God does not fix our problem? Can we still put our trust in him? For that reason, I'm going to suggest for us three things that help at least me understand why God and Jesus do and don't heal. So please uh, listen to this and and first accept this, this basic truth that Jesus is always compassionate in our suffering. Again, Jesus is always compassionate in our suffering. When you pray for healing, Jesus is listening. He hears your pleas. But just because healing doesn't happen does not negate that Jesus is compassionate for you. He truly cares for you. And we are told about this attribute of Jesus in Matthew 9, verses 35 to 36. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, catch this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The adjective every in verse 35 seems to imply ailments can be cured by Jesus. Not just some ailments, every, all ailments, illnesses can be cured by Jesus. And that was exactly what he was doing as he was going through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues. And the reason behind Jesus healing the sick is because the scripture tells us he is compassionate. I want to take a moment right now to to encourage those among us that may be experiencing tears, pain, and suffering in this season of time. That Jesus knows what you're going through. And he loves you dearly and has compassion for you. And in whatever trial or tribulation you are going through now, hold on to the promise that he will never abandon you. To help us understand why Jesus does and doesn't heal, know that he is always compassionate. And second, Jesus is purposeful in his healing. Again, Jesus is purposeful in his healing. Jesus heals for two reasons. First, to reveal God's glory to the church, to you and me, to believers, so his people will celebrate and adore him. When we see God's healing, we should praise him and testify to the world about his splendor and greatness. The second reason Jesus heals is to reveal God's supernatural power to the unchurched, to the future believers, to the unbelieving world, so that they can see God is real and that he exists. But often we forget these reasons, and not just what, I mean, we just want that healing, no matter what, without acknowledging the healer. We want the gift and ignore the sovereign authority and discretion of the gift giver. Unfortunately, that is not how it works. Now, of course, I don't blame people wanting healing if they are gravely ill. When we are desperate, we can and we should go to Jesus. And we must also 
understand also this, that Jesus only does what the Father does, meaning God's will over our will. And to help us appreciate this dynamic, it helps to know Jesus' overriding mission and that healing was just part of his mission. And in Luke 4, Jesus told us exactly what he came to do. So reading from Luke 4, starting from verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and was his custom. He stood up to read. And a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So in the following two verses, in verses 18 to 19 and Luke 4, Jesus quotes from Old Testament. He quotes from the book of Isaiah. And here, in those scripture words, are plainly stated his fivefold mission on earth. And I want to suggest all these are some form of healing, and not just physical, but emotional, social, but most importantly, spiritual. From verse 18, we see four of the five purposes. Jesus said he was anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Essentially, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give hope to especially those in poverty, who usually in most societies back then and today are suffering the most. Next, in verse 18, he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, meaning to help people break both literal and figurative chains and bondage that hold them down so that they can live their lives with complete freedom and peace. That's why we support ministries like City Team and Turning Point to help men and women in recovery groups from drug and alcohol addictions or domestic violence and incarceration. A third reason, a third purpose for Jesus to be here on earth was to recover sight for the blind, which means to do acts of mercy and kindness to those sick and suffering, like what we did with our eye screenings and clinics for over 10 years. I still and will always remember what a young boy told my wife who served as a volunteer autometrist when she delivered his first ever eyeglasses. He said, I can see, I can see. Doing exactly what scripture is, commanding us to do, is to help the blind recover their sight. The fourth purpose we, we see here in verse 18 is that Jesus came to set the oppressed free, to set the oppressed free, which I see as correcting systems and structures that persecute the marginalized, which involve forces like racism, sexism, and classism. That's why I'm grateful that our church is supporting and partnering with ministries working with the so-called oppressed. This past year, Pastor Ben and our social justice team helped our church give away $50,000 to nonprofits that are working with people who have endured hardship and injustices in our community. It's like Black Campus Ministries at at Cal Berkeley's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and like Urban Life Mentors in West Oakland who are working with inner-city youth 
with after-school care and tutoring. And I know you heard during our community life that we would like these snack packs. I think it's 200 snack packs that we wanted to put together, delivered on Easter to give to Urban Life Mentors. And it's a great way for us to partner with those who have been oppressed. The final purpose is given in verse 19. Jesus was to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here, Jesus was referring to the year of Jubilee, where every 50 years, all debts were forgiven. That, we, that the reset button was pushed to return everything back in the nation of Israel. I mean, that's, wouldn't it be kind of cool where all your student debt, all your mortgages, all your bank loans, credit cards were forgiven? Well, this forgiveness of debts was a foretaste of what Jesus would do on the cross. And it's prophetic to what is to come in heaven. These five parts of Jesus' mission are also a checklist for churches to follow to ensure his church actually reflects God's mission in the world in both word and deed. And in the context of healing, Jesus' heals is connected to his mission to reach people for God's kingdom. Now, our problem here is, however, we can we can have an attitude of entitlement to expect Jesus will heal at, at our beck and call. Us being more focused in our self-centered interests versus to reveal God's glory and power to the world. That Jesus, we think Jesus is an ATM machine and not God. That our request for healing comes at a mere push of a button or the saying of some prayer or words to him, and for Jesus to obey our wishes rather than the other way around. This kind of expectation or attitude is not much different from what Jesus faced when he visited his hometown of Nazareth in that passage from Luke 4. There, the people of his hometown expected Jesus was going to heal everyone like he did previously in Capernaum a town he had just visited before going to Nazareth. And they kind of disrespected Jesus too, not believing he was the son of God because they said, isn't he just Joseph the carpenter's kid? Jesus straight on addressed this in verse 23 of Luke 4. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, Heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Now here Jesus quotes this proverb, and in in this proverb he says, physician, heal, heal yourself. And in some ways he's referring to himself as the physician. Now this proverb, physician, heal yourself, is not from the Bible. It's not from God. It's a Greek culture proverb. And it means take care of your own problems first before you talk about my problems. Physician, heal yourself, also carries the idea of needing proof. They wanted Jesus to prove that he was the Messiah, not by him just quoting scripture, but performing miracles like he did elsewhere. Now, essentially, Challenging Jesus to perform signs and wonders 
before they could accept him as the son of God. And Jesus did not play their game. And he did not uh, want to fail, or he did not fall for their unbelief. He actually added fuel to the fire. He told them stories of healings by the prophets Elijah and Elisha of foreigners instead of the hard-hearted, disobeying, unbelieving Israelites. Verse 28 in Luke 4 says this, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. The scripture clearly tells us that the people were really angry and upset at him for not healing and wanting to kill him. But Jesus only heals when God the Father tells him to do it and for the reasons and purposes that I mentioned earlier. I know this can be hard to accept. And I know many of you probably get upset or angry at God when he doesn't heal, just like those people in the town, his hometown, when Jesus didn't say, I'm not going to heal anyone here. Because the motivation for healing is sometimes lost on us. This is hard to say, sometimes hard to hear. If you're praying for a parent who is dying, for a friend who has been in an accident, or for a child who's dealing with severe depression. Remember, Jesus hears you, and he has compassion for you, and he dearly loves you. Even if your circumstances don't get any better, can you believe that, and can you still trust in God? Which leads me to my last point. Where are we? Where we are short-sighted, Jesus has the end game in mind. Again, where we are short-sighted, Jesus has the end game in mind. No matter how we are healed, practically speaking, it's only short-term and temporal. We all face the inevitable common fate. What happens when we die? You know, whenever we're hurting Whenever we're suffering, whenever we want a problem solved, we always want the quick fix. We just want to get it done. Um, when I was a dentist, I remember people coming in to my office to help them get out of pain, a lot of times involving a tooth. And the first thing in their mind they want is that tooth to be extracted. Just get it out of there. Just pull it out. And you know, a lot of times... That would be the solution, but it's not always the best solution. There are other options that are better in the long term. But when you're going through a lot of pain, all you're thinking about is just get me out of pain. And that's how life is with a lot of our issues. A lot of times, we don't want the best answer. We go for the quickest. And sometimes we find it through drugs, alcohol, or whatever to take care of the pain that we're going through. But Jesus has a better plan. He is not short-sighted, but he has the end game in mind. And there is only one healing that will ultimately solve the common fate that comes to us at the end of our lives, and that's death. How do we overcome death? And this problem can only be solved in one way. And Jesus points this out in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. 
they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, and I want you to catch this, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Our faith in Jesus Christ brings us spiritual healing. Like Jesus said, our faith makes us well. That is ultimately the best healing possible and the most important healing that matters. Where other healings are only temporal, spiritual healing is for an eternity. Um, at my house, my wife and I uh, love to entertain our friends in our, in our backyard. And if any of you have come over, you enter my yard through this side gate. And this gate, I usually keep it locked. And I keep it locked with something like this. And, and like all locks, you need to open it with a key. And the scripture says that Jesus is the key that opens heaven. Scripture from Revelation 21 tells us, in heaven there will be no more death or mourning, no more crying or pain. Jesus is the great physician. And he heals us in so many ways. But the most important is to accept him as Lord and Savior, to be the key that opens up heaven for us. And if you have any spiritual debt, it's paid for by Jesus. So you can enter heaven forever. And if you have not made that that decision yet, I encourage you, I invite you to choose Jesus as your Savior. And then, Jesus the healer is the key that opens the gates of heaven. In the meantime, as we wait to be in heaven, trust in these words from Psalm 27, verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of my favorite songs is Blessings by Laura Story. Some of you may be familiar with that song. And I love her, her perspective in the lyrics she wrote. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering, all the while you hear each spoken need. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your, your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Life in this world can be difficult. And as we endure pain and suffering that inevitably comes in our earthly journey, and we don't get the healing that we ask for, may we still trust in the goodness of God. In a moment, we will celebrate communion together.
to remember the act of sacrifice that Jesus, the great physician, did for us on the cross so that we can be healed of our spiritual debt. God bless you all as you partake. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see your son Jesus this morning as the great physician. Jesus told us, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And may we have great humility to admit our brokenness that needs your healing. And I pray that today's word does not return void. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.